Hi folks, welcome to the happysaver.com podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. SmartShares is an investment product I use and I met their product manager Dean Anderson because I kept contacting him with lots of questions regarding my own ETF funds. He struck me as a guy with a good story to tell and I knew there was more to him than just index funds. And during our chat, he told me about where, how, and most importantly, why he is an investor. And you are going to come away from listening to him and put some more thought into your own money journey. Of that, I am certain. ShareSite is an online platform that I use to keep track of my investments. Because although I have tried, my own spreadsheets just were not cutting it. If you buy shares or index funds each and every month, it's actually really hard to work out how your investments are performing. But ShareSite does all of this for you, including working out all of your tax obligations. You can try ShareSite for free and track up to 10 holdings. But if you have more than that, then I have a special offer which allows you to get four months for free when you purchase an annual premium plan. If you want to check it out and free yourself from your spreadsheets, go to thehappysaver.com forward slash ShareSite. Personally, I've been investing in smart shares for a while now, and during that time, I needed a question answered from time to time. And that is how I ended up emailing Dean Anderson, the product manager at smart shares. And from time to time, we picked up the phone as well. When he was passing through my town a couple of months back, we hooked up for a coffee in person. And it was during that chat that I realized that there was a whole lot more to Dean than being a mine of information about the 23 exchange-traded funds he looks after on behalf of the NZX. So we picked up the phone again and dived a bit deeper into what he does outside of his full-time job at SmartShares, and that is working on his own side hustle, which is investment. Dean is 28 years old, but explains that he always felt 30, and by that he means he was always relatively mature. Balanced nicely, he said, with a little bit of immaturity. But the gist is that he comes across as a pretty wise guy. From Nelson, he now lives in Auckland, having moved there about 18 months ago, and his road to his current role was relatively straightforward. He headed to Palmerston North and studied finance and some property papers, but found it was not as interesting as he thought. Not sure if he was talking about the papers or the town. So he headed down to Christchurch and did a BCom in finance instead. And after he finished that up, he headed to Wellington, where he started with the NZX in the energy sector before moving into his current role in 2014. I started out by asking Dean why it seems to be that people don't want to talk about money. He has observed that in a country like the US, there is a lot more showiness around wealth and money, but historically in New Zealand, we are a lot more apprehensive and perhaps stuck with a bit of a 1960s mindset. He thinks there is obviously a tall poppy aspect to it and that clearly a lot of people in New Zealand don't want people to know their business or to know their wealth. With his own friends, he found that in the past they were apprehensive about sharing, but today they have some great conversations around money and he knows what they are earning, doing, thinking and the areas that they are involved in and how they are investing. 
He knows the debt they are taking on and how much they make from selling a house or what have you. And he explains that this is really beneficial because it allows him to benchmark himself and it lets him know how he is progressing from a career perspective. He also recalls hearing Rocket Lab founder Peter Beck speak where he said that in New Zealand we struggle to think globally and tend to be content with what we have. And Dean's thinking was if we stay within the group we are in and we don't search out others and how they are succeeding or achieving and perhaps failing, then we are likely to remain exactly the same. Next question for Dean was if I were to give him $10,000 right now, what would he be doing with it? And you may have guessed his answer already and that is he would probably put it into a low-cost index fund, a mix of global and domestic equities. Obviously, but there was a small twist at the end with him thinking that he could perhaps buy some art with it, maybe a two to three thousand dollar piece to add to his growing art collection because he has been buying New Zealand artists for a couple of years now, mostly paintings, and he buys a piece because he loves it and it holds its value well. So that's just another investment that he's got going on. Now, everyone has financial habits, whether they realise it or not. So what are Dean's three main habits, the things that he just automatically does? Number one is that when he is paid monthly, he instantly makes sure that each of his many bank accounts he has, wait for it, 15, are allocated some money and he monitors throughout the month that he has the balance of each just right. Number two is that he makes monthly contributions into each of his investments. And number three is that his bills are always paid on time. They are all on automatic payment to make sure this happens. There is one exception to this and I'll come back to it later. Of course, I then had to ask him why he has so many bank accounts. He explained that he just finds it easier to put things into buckets and have each expense separated out because he then knows that he is on top of each expense, which is a great way to go about it. Now, Dean must talk about money day in and day out with his job, so I predicted his money elevator pitch, a sentence that would sum up his approach to money, would be a goodie. He is quite risk tolerant, so his approach to money is that he takes quite calculated risks and he is willing to go pretty strong on quite a few things and he is comfortable leveraging himself to the max to do it and so far it has paid off. And he counters the risks he takes with having a regular saving strategy. And at the end of the day, he is young with no dependents, so he can take a high risk approach to managing money and his investments. So what has this high level of risk been doing for him? What is his biggest financial triumph to date, I wondered? And he explained that it was probably buying his first home five or six years ago when he was in his early 20s. That was back in the good old days when he was in Wellington. The property market at the time was less buoyant and he only needed a 5% deposit. And by chance, he bought something he really liked and he really enjoyed living in. And when he moved away from the area, he rented it out. But more recently, he has actually sold this house. Why? Because he wanted to diversify out of Wellington and by selling this single property, he was able to buy two others in the regions one in Hawke's Bay and one in Marlborough. But he is back in the property market in Wellington because about two and a half years ago, he bought a property with his auntie, which I think is just the coolest thing. And if any of my nieces or nephews are listening to this, let's talk about it one day. They both really liked renovating and have an interest in property, so they decided to do something together. 
they found a 100-year-old home that was near demolishing state, but they thought it had underlying character. So together, they spent six months of weekends renovating and restoring it, and they now rent it out and are also confident that the house will have increasing capital gains as well. Being a landlord himself puts him in a unique position as a renter up in Auckland, and sometimes he wonders where the respect is between landlord and tenants these days. He recently moved and is now having issues with getting his bond back off a landlord who is trying to rip him off, and added to this is the fact that his flatmates left him covering the rent for two months. It's a tough one, but rentals are a necessary fact. People need houses, and he wants to be in a good relationship with his landlord and also with his own tenants, and there is a greater respect all round for each other and the property if everybody gets along well. And I I think I might have a bit of a chip on my shoulder after years of renting and uh, some pretty appalling landlords, so I always ask what relationship people have with their tenants. He uses a property manager, but he also deals pretty closely with his tenants. And in the week we spoke, he had just dropped off a new lawnmower to one house, given another the go-ahead to put in a vegetable garden, and he has met all of his tenants, even given them a welcome bottle of wine. He is after having great people in his houses who want to look after the place and stay long-term, and because he still rents himself, he knows both sides of the fence. So I've inadvertently managed to find yet another Kiwi with a love of rental property, so I asked if there were any plans to buy more. There is the possibility, but it's not on his radar for now, and one day he would actually like to build a house, but he is looking at other investment opportunities outside of the housing market now in order to balance out his investments. His high-risk strategy for investing probably means he has a few financial flops to his name as well, but this proved not to be the case, and he said his one regret was probably not starting investing sooner. Being the numbers guy he is, he ran some numbers recently and worked out how much he has missed out on because he didn't start earlier, and he'd worked out if he had just started just four years sooner, he would have been in a far better financial position today. And early on, he also bought individual shares, and he's not had any big negative returns with them, but he just now knows that he took the wrong approach initially, and time has taught him to save consistently and on a monthly basis, something he wasn't doing earlier. Another regret is letting lifestyle inflation take hold, and he thinks back to his university days and how little he managed to live on. If he could have carried on that strategy longer, he could have saved a lot more. Having been at university for a long time myself, uh, my thought is that you can only handle deprivation for so long, and I'm not surprised he ramped up his lifestyle once he got a job, um, because you do lose your taste for two-minute noodles after a couple of years, I can tell you. Now, because he operates in financial areas and gives advice to others on a daily basis, does Dean take his own advice? He didn't initially, but now he does, he told me. When he was young, it was easy to get sucked into thinking that he knew best and to try to chase the big returns. Cryptocurrencies are huge at the moment, and he used that as an example. People younger than him are piling on board with it as they want instant and large returns, but he has since learned that the old saying of slow and steady wins the race is very true, and as time has gone on for him, he is seeing firsthand the impact that slow and steady investing has on your dollars over time. So now that this wise soul is 28, I asked him if he could retain all of the knowledge that he has today regarding money, 
and he could go back to his 15-year-old self and start again, what would he do, whether it be the same or something quite different? He told me it would pretty much be the same, but he would maybe reassess university. While going there was of interest to him, he did not really enjoy the degree he did, and he did it to tick a box and get himself into a certain field of work. He has always had an interest in starting his own business and would like to explore that more one day, but for now, his current role gives him satisfaction because with the increased interest in index fund investing in the last couple of years, he has really been able to help the business he works for grow. And much like he does with his house renovation work, he likes to take something and improve on it. So who knows, the right business idea might hit him one day and he would give it a great go. So what about debt? Does he have any? His answer was that he has plenty. He has mortgage debt on the properties he has and he has also taken on debt to invest. Now Dean is the first person I have heard of who has borrowed money to invest in shares. It's something that New Zealand personal finance columnist Mary Holm often talks about doing but most of us see it as too risky. He uses ASB securities and he uses margin lending to invest. And the example he gave to explain this is that it's pretty much the same as buying a house, but with shares. For example, with $50 you can buy certain shares and in many cases certain companies will let you leverage it up. For every $50 you invest, they will give you another $50 and they will charge you interest on that. In many cases they will enable you to double up that investment. Here in New Zealand, ASB Securities will let you do it and they have an interest rate and a list of companies here and in Australia that you can do it with. Of course, we all want to know if this is working out for him because just like with a house or a car bought with borrowed money, if the value falls below what you paid, you still have the debt to pay back. Yes, it is working for him and he has done it a couple of times with different companies and ETFs when he has researched and developed a certain view on something and he is prepared to take the extra risk. His investment time frame is still long term and he is very clear to point out that he is a share investor, not a share trader and he goes into it with the intention to buy and to hold. So how does he structure the debt that he has? He has some fixed rates and some floating and he manages the structure of them based on interest rates at the time of setting them up and he estimates one house to be paid in 8 to 10 years and the others within 25 years. And unless some marvellous opportunity pops up somewhere else, his intention is to hold these properties for the long term. Now, I was not really looking for it, but I did manage to uncover Dean's Achilles heel, his credit card. He readily admitted that he does not uh, handle that one very well and he is carrying debt on it. Say what? I was actually really surprised by this because he is all over his finances in every other area. He explained that he has probably been using it a bit like an emergency fund recently because he has had the cost of moving flats again and all those associated costs that go with it. And added to this, he said that Auckland is an expensive place to set up in and to live in. And if anyone understands paying and receiving interest, it's Dean. And with a $10,000 card limit, he is paying 18%. Ouch. (laughs) Now, I asked why not just pay it off? by cashing up some smart shares like he had suggested earlier. And his explanation was that he knows he can kill this debt in six short months and he does not want to interrupt his savings habit to wipe this debt. He wants to keep his good habits going while he addresses the bad ones. And I kind of see his point, but I'm still a little bit surprised if I'm honest. Well, 
that's debt covered off. So my next question was, does he consider himself to be a spender or a saver? He is 50-50 on this one and now he does not live too frugally and thinks he has found a really good balance between the two. Just two to three years ago, he was a hard out saver and quite tight, but he began to loosen up once he started to build up assets and he could see himself moving in the right direction. He knew he was going to be okay and he thought he had made it when after years of food budgeting, he was at the supermarket one day and he realised he could buy whatever he wanted and this felt like a significant tipping point for him. So now it's a balance and doing things like taking a holiday has become much more important to him and while he does not necessarily go without, there is nothing he feels he is missing out on that he needs to rush out and buy. And that leads me nicely onto his splurge, the thing he knows is a waste of money, but he does it anyway. And for Dean, it's coffee, good coffee. And he has about four to five cups a day. If they are all takeout at $4.50 a cup, that's about $157.50 every seven days. Yikes, let's just hope they are not all takeout. Well, This next question could potentially be embarrassing for someone who earns his income from selling the concept of uh, ETF investing, but he has been pretty straight up so far, so it was worth asking him which one he would choose, index funds or individual shares. He describes his investing habits as pretty vanilla, by which he means quite plain and straightforward. Dean has had individual shares in the past, but at the moment, other things in life are keeping him busy and individual share buying takes up a lot of research time. So instead, everything is in a mix of smart shares made up of New Zealand equities and global equity exposure, and he views this as his long-term savings plan. Dean got his start on investing early on in life, with his very first job being a paper run, and he recalls always trying to save, build up equity and invest. He worked throughout his time at university, and he worked two to three jobs over every holiday period, and he's had some pretty good jobs too. Each weekend while he was studying, he worked at a car rental company. Uh, He worked for a market garden in his holidays. Evenings were spent in a fish and chip shop. Uh, He lasted one day apple thinning in Nelson, which sounds like it was about the average. And after spending one day crouched down in the baking sun thinning trees, he never went back. And the best role could perhaps have been as a taste tester job, where he stood in a shop selling pre-made cocktails, where he was paid $20 per hour. Any product left over, he got to keep, which was like hitting the mother load to a 19-year-old student, I'm sure. Now, hourly rates have moved on a bit now, seeing he's a bit more educated and a little bit older, and the average salary, according to seek.co.nz, is $75,000, and Dean tells me he is paid slightly above that in the work that he does today, which is awesome. Throughout my chats with people, I've come to understand how critically important parental input is early on in life for teaching kids how to handle money. Those of us who are offered good guidance from a young age, we get ahead a lot faster. The rest of us, people like me that is, work it out for themselves over time, but we miss that opportunity to make an early start on saving and enjoy all of that awesome cumulative interest. And for Dean, growing up, his family were always quite open when talking about money And he has also a lot of family who have had their own businesses in a variety of areas. So he was quite fortunate to grow up in an environment where they could discuss opportunities in life. And he was actively encouraged to take risks, to try different jobs and to start saving and investing. 
They provided a good sounding board with some family being quite entrepreneurial and others quite conservative. So he had a really good mix of people and he could bounce ideas off them. So apart from Correro with his whānau around options, does Dean use any advisors to help him plot and plan his financial future? He has not used a financial advisor because he's comfortable with his strategy, but more recently he has used an insurance advisor for the very first time to make sure that he had the correct cover on his rental properties. Part of his investment strategy is, of course, uh, superannuation. And it will come as no surprise that he has his super sorted as well. He's using Super Life and he has made up his own fund, which you can do. And he's weighted it to equities and he does not switch them about, although tempting. So it is a set and forget, although he does admit that he has a bad habit of looking at them far too often. He is not putting more in than the minimum as this allows him to get the government member tax credit of $521 per year and also contributions from his employer. He knows that the money will be locked in for 40 years and he is actively growing other funds that he can access at any time. So does someone like Dean have an emergency fund? He would not have cash sitting in a bank. He would rather it be somewhere earning him some money. So he views his emergency fund as investments in ETFs because of the fact that they are very liquid and he can sell them at any time, which is what got me thinking about why he was using a credit card as opposed to pulling out of those ETFs, but he's explained that away quite well for me. Now, speaking of retirement, is he planning on retiring early? No, he wants to be comfortable in retirement, but he has no interest in retiring early. And at this stage, he is not trying to save and invest to get to a certain figure but it would be nice to get to the work is optional point in his life. So coming back to his parents again, uh, what was the one piece of advice, good or bad, that they taught him about money and what does he wish they had taught him that he has since worked out for himself? The main thing was that they always encouraged him to just have a go. So there wasn't anything specific about money. It was more a demonstration of good habits and watching the way they managed their money that taught him more than anything else. For example, his parents took a family holiday, but it was always well within their means, and that set him up for where he is now. So using that upbringing, he then went on teaching himself good habits, and he is still learning today, and he is still very much engaging in his financial education. And most of it is now work-related, where he is really fortunate in that he gets to speak to a diverse range of people, from professional young people at speaking events, or to those high up in banking. And he is lucky in that he gets to sit in the middle of all these groups and absorb all those different points of view. He is a big online news reader and he likes to check out global news at either end of the day. But as far as reading goes, he struggles to finish a book or even actually pick one up in the first place. And he told me that if he listens to a podcast, it's generally something like the comedians Hamish and Andy. But he did point out that he learned something from them recently. Uh, Those two bought Bitcoin at $700 per coin, but they lost their details to their wallet and have therefore lost their Bitcoin, which, as we all know, has soared in value recently. So never lose your details to your Bitcoin. And to end, his advice is to get into the good habits early and to start to save and invest by building up weekly and monthly habits that let you live a balanced lifestyle. You and I need to start early and invest over a long period of time. 
So what does he get out of all the saving and investing? What makes it worthwhile to Dean? Being in control of his finances gives him freedom and peace of mind and he feels now he has enough money accumulated to be comfortable. And the big thing for him is that there is no stress or guilt or panic around money and he can enjoy a long dinner out with friends, for example, and not be concerned with how that fits into his budget. And with the rental properties he has, it is by no means all about the rental return because he gets a huge satisfaction out of the renovations on the houses and they actually provide him an outlet for his creativity, which is awesome. And the final thing, I know when I'm talking, I always say a final thing and then another final thing. I want to draw attention back to um, his reference to his tipping point. And for him, it was looking around the supermarket and realising he could buy anything he wanted, anything at all. It was all affordable to him now, and that gave him a sense of accomplishment. For me, it was similar, knowing that when I entered my PIN number to pay for a purchase, that there was absolutely no chance of it being declined was my tipping point. Dean still has a way to go, as do I, but along the way there are tipping points and aha moments where you just know you can give yourself a bit of a pat on the back and relax a bit and know that you are doing a few things right. And when you have those moments, make sure you stop, enjoy and appreciate them and they should give you the focus and the reward that you need to keep going and continuing on with being good with your money. So a massive thanks to Dean for really openly sharing his money journey with you and I today. I really appreciated his generosity and I hope that you are able to take away some actionable tips from hearing his journey as well. If you found today's money journey helpful, it would mean a whole lot to me if you left a quick five-star review in Apple Podcasts. This is one of the best ways for other people interested in personal finance to discover the podcast. That's it for me today. Looking forward to catching you next episode. Happy saving. Mm -hmm.